Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, episode 35 of Newsday's New York Islanders Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Gross. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And as I've been starting off, I'm just wishing you and your family and all your loved ones, good health, and hoping everyone has made it through another week okay. And uh, there, there's uncertainty in the world. And then when you, you look at hockey, there's, you know, they have a return to play format, but there's uncertainty as to whether they'll actually be able to see that to fruition. Uh, there's uncertainty as to when next season uh, would even be able to begin. Uh, you know, you, you're hearing January 1st, maybe with the winter class, but uh, with, with the winter classic, but no one seems to know for sure, just a a ton of uncertainty. And now throw uh, another bit of uncertainty into uh, uh, the Islanders hockey world. As we found out today that the owner of Nassau Coliseum was shutting it indefinitely, leaving the Islanders once again in flux as to where they might play games next season. And to talk about that, I bring in my uh, colleague and good friend, Jim Bomback. Jim, welcome. Good to talk to you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk about an uh, Islander arena issue. It feels like uh, maybe almost about a year ago when I thought to myself, man, I think this story's done. They're, they're about to break <laughs> ground. You know, they're, they're getting their final approvals. And then, you know, a lawsuit happens, and they, you know, they get through that, through past that for the most part. And then the pandemic happens, and they shut down construction, and then they're back going. And then here, you know, it wouldn't be the Islanders, right? Uh, you know, there's the new arena is being built. You can almost, like, see it, you know, uh, through that cam come through every, every day and, and emerge into a real brand-new, uh, you know, state-of-the-art arena. And it wouldn't be the Islanders if there wasn't just one more burst of arena uncertainty between now and then. You know, there were uh, a lot of moving parts today, uh, a lot of players in this. Can you explain what happened today as simply as possible, maybe for some folks who were trying to wade through this and, and didn't quite understand the implications or understand why what happened today did happen? Sure. So to take a, let's take a step back. Uh, people don't usually uh, remember this, but when so the county owns the coliseum it's it's a county owned coliseum and they and they rent it out uh they lease it out so the, they leased it back uh you know, i guess it was uh, 7 years ago now they cut the deal uh with Bruce Ratner who also ran the Barclays Center and people obviously knew it was a, a synergy deal it was Ratner runs uh, Barclays Center Ratner's going to run the coliseum it's going to be you know brother sister relationship uh, and it was that way in the beginning. And then Ratner sold both uh, essentially to Prokhorov, uh, the Russian billionaire, and it still was synergistic. And then last fall, uh, Prokhorov sells Barclays Center and the Nets to e-commerce billionaire Joseph Song. He does not sell the Coliseum. Now, you know, you would like to think, you know, logically, you know, it's not like he, he obviously wanted to sell all of it. Uh, it's just that Joseph Tsai bought what he wanted to buy. So so now suddenly the synergy no longer exists between the two, and you have uh, Prokhorov's company, Onexim, running the Coliseum, uh, and that's the only arena they run. So it's basically they're standing on an island in, in a world that's built on these relationships. So they were, they were not in a good place to begin with. They were trying to make a run of it. And then the pandemic happens, and the pandemic obviously is is brutal for for businesses everywhere. It's brutal, especially for arenas, because everything's shut down. And now this this company that essentially is a six month old company at that point, you know, it, 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 they were standing on their own for six months. That's it. And with with a lease that many experts say was not favorable to uh, the company, it was more favorable to the county. You know, they they basically couldn't make ends meet. So now the operator, the person who runs the Coliseum, basically today says we can't do this anymore. We owe a hundred million dollars in money on um, uh, on the Coliseum, 
and we, we can't sit around and wait. So now, even though we believe in the Coliseum, even though we believe in the, the Nassau Hub development, they're trying to develop the, uh, the parking lot with uh, Scott Reckler, uh, a major Long Island developer. Even though they believe in all that, they're just not going to sit around and, and pay down this debt without any revenue coming in and, and basically standing on this, on this island I spoke about. So they, they just threw their hands up and say, we're looking to other parties, we're going to the county, we're going to investors, we're looking for someone to take this up. It doesn't mean the Coliseum's dead. It obviously is not a good sign for the Coliseum. You know, uh, you know, Andrew, you and I can go and, uh, and make a. If we can assume a hundred million dollars in debt, maybe we can run the run the Coliseum. But someone, it, it does that uh, that that person exist? You know, it doesn't seem likely. But that's essentially what happened today. Is that the operator said, essentially, here's the keys. We can't operate this anymore. Please figure this out. And now. It's a big blow to the Nassau economy. It's a big blow to the Nassau hub. Uh, the Islanders are a big player in this, but it's a big blow to the Islanders because, hey, they had uh, 41 games you know, lined up to play there at some point. Who knows when? But they had 41 games lined up to play there, and, and now those are very much in doubt. Now, I, I want to get back to some of the, the legal ramifications and you know what the county may or may not be able to you know hold Prokhorov to or how the doors might open. I, I want to get to all of that. But I, I think the first thing Islander fans want to hear is what does this mean for the team next season? You know, because uh, the, the, the return to play format, there were, there were going to be no, uh, no more games in Nassau Coliseum this season. Anyway, uh, all the games are going to be played in a hub city that should be made public uh, on June 22nd. We should find out where the Islanders are are going uh, to play their best-of-five qualifying series against the Florida Panthers to see if they can get into this 16-team playoffs. So, but regardless, there were going to be no more games at Nassau Coliseum this season because of the, uh, the pandemic. Next season, though, as you mentioned, all the games, you know, were finally going to be at Nassau Coliseum for one season before they get – to their new arena in Belmont, what what are the options for them? Is it as simple as saying, okay, they're just headed back to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn for a season? So uh, I guess the answer to that is yes and no. It is as simple as that, uh, but it's not as simple as that because even though there is a contract in place and a lease in place uh, and, and, and ties the Islanders to Barclays Center, and I can get to that in, in a bit, there's just there's new players in this, and, and – the new players being the owner of the Barclays Center, the uh, you know the Islanders, and and also there's there's economics in, in play. You know, this was a question. This was obviously the first question on everyone's mind, myself included, this morning when when we saw this, and it was also the question that everyone ran as far away as possible and tried to come up with every excuse to not answer it. Uh, what I can say is that three, uh, I guess it was two years ago now, so it was. Uh, 2018-19 season, before that season, the Islanders signed a three-year deal with BSC Global. BSC Global operates Barclays Center and, and the Coliseum. And that deal was to play 60 home games over the next three years at the Coliseum. 54 of them had to be uh, regular season and six preseason. That was what the minimum amount to be uh, the guaranteed to play at the Coliseum. Uh, the rest would be played at our Barclays Center. So next season is the third year of that plan, uh, of that uh, that lease. So therefore, from that standpoint, they're, they're contractually obligated to host the Islander games. Now, the Islanders don't want to go to Brooklyn. Brooklyn Barclays Center probably doesn't want to have the Islanders there either. Uh, and there's this big uh, umbrella, uh, a big elephant uh, hang, hanging in the room of like, well, when are these games going to be played? And if, in some scenario, these games are being played, well, Barclays Center is going to be pretty uh, jam-packed with uh, the Nets and perhaps the Long Island Nets, and, and uh, you know, it, there's just a lot going on if that all happens. So, so it, it's basically a question no one wanted to answer. The um, Barclays Center declined to comment. Islanders declined to comment. I know this contract exists. I have that, you know, firmed up. I, you know, there's there there is legal ramifications. Um, you know, in terms of the time frame, is it three seasons or is it three years? You know, those type of things start coming into play depending on how far out this goes. Uh, you know, how far out this, this season goes. I also know there's two there's two option years the Islanders have to protect them against uh, the construction. So that could factor in too. If if it is uh, a date thing and not a, a season thing, they can just trigger an option year. Either way, uh, I think that my takeaway from this is that 
this idea that the Islanders will be homeless is, is not true. Um, but to think it's going to be simple and smooth, it would be anything un-Islander-like in this. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the long and short answer is Barclays Center is the backup plan. And I think, uh, you know, in the words of Bill Daly, he says there's a lot of time for them to figure out the, the most viable situation, something along those lines. So basically, don't ask us today. We have far more pressing things. In your opinion, could you see the Islanders playing their next season before they get to Belmont? And, and I'm glad you brought up the, the option years because, of course, the first question is, what if you know COVID forces another construction halt at Belmont and Belmont is not ready for October 21 and, and the Islanders are still, you know, have to find an alternative home? But it, it sounds like if they do move to Barclays, they at least have a little with, bit of wiggle room with that. But in, in your opinion, where do you think the Islanders play next season? And other than Nassau Coliseum and the Barclays Center, are there other options that might come into play? It's obviously um, a question that we're clearly all guessing at. The last, I want Cuomo came to the Coliseum to announce that all um, Islander games next year would be played at the Coliseum. He came, I think it was on February 29th. It was that Saturday. It was basically days before Cuomo became this national figure in, in this uh, whole COVID thing. And that was an announcement that, um, you know, I'm getting inside baseball with it here. But, like, that, I was annoyed by that, how that came down, because we learned about it on Friday. Everybody was playing coy on this and stuff. So on that Monday, uh, I emailed uh, Cuomo's people, and, and I, I wanted them to know that I was disappointed by how this was all handled. You know, uh, you know obviously, we're Newsday. We care so much of, uh, about everything Islanders. It's, it's crazy to, to hold this at, to that point. And I, I look back, I mentioned this, uh, not to show how petty I am with, uh, with news and stuff like that, but I mentioned this because I think back to that as almost my last memory of being normal, uh, of, of normalcy going on, is that, that email I sent on that Monday. I think I even started the email, like, I know there are bigger things going on in your world right now, but, and then I, even with Cuomo's spokesperson, I do joke sometime, from time to time on how like, that was my last sense of normalcy. So that's my way of saying that um, even then, on February 29th, March 1st, if you had said that the Islanders would be playing potentially in, in Las Vegas to, to finish their season, we would all be like, eh, oh, that's funny. You know, but obviously it's reality. So yeah. um, what, what are the other scenarios? Uh, you know, it, it's, so, it's so hard to say because there are other scenarios. What if they don't allow fans in again? What if, what if we go another 18 months without fans in games? We don't know. That, that's possible. We don't know when the vaccine's coming. Well, if that's the case, it doesn't matter where they play, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the clear part. So, I mean, in that scenario, they're going to pick the safest place, like we're seeing right now, the safest hub city. That could be the model again for next season. Now, you know, we're all, um, you know, rolling the dice and, and, and throwing darts at wall with covering our eyes, trying to come up with answers. But I think that's just as potentially uh, plausible as the Coliseum finding a new operator or Barclays Center uh, opening up again, you know, with, with the Islanders. There's just so many unknowns in this that, I mean, you started at the beginning. We, we, we don't even know if the, if the hockey, if NHL can finish this season, let alone what's going to be like, heck, if this keeps going, maybe Belmont opens uh, in time for that next season. I mean, it's, it's really old <laughs> yeah. scenarios, you know. That, yeah, that, that would be extreme, you would hope. But it, 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 you're right. You have to consider it as a possibility. And I guess, you know, if there are not going to be any fans in the stands, what's to keep the Islanders from just playing games at their practice rink? You know, it's a good rink, right? It, it, it's bubbleized. You could have games there. But, uh, you know, some of the other things I'm seeing is, you know, could they work something out with Madison Square Garden? Could they work something out with the Prudential Center, you know, if you want to go to a bigger arena? And I guess, you know, there are options, but it does sound like, you know, Barclays is going to be first up on, uh, in the batting order. If they're not at the Coliseum and there are fans in the stands to some degree and they're playing in the New York uh, metropolitan area, I, I think, um, you know, option one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine is, is Barclays Center. And, uh, and, and yes, there are many logical reasons for that uh, not to be people's first, second, third, and fourth option. Uh, but just because of the uh, sheer fact that there's a contract in place, the financial terms are all set, um, they'd have to back out of that, both sides. And, and you know, that's uh, – it, it's just – there's a lot of hoops to jump through uh, for the for one season. 
Now, you mentioned Governor Cuomo, and, you know, he's certainly taken an interest in Nassau Coliseum and having the Islanders play there, as you mentioned. Um, do you see any scenario in which the governor's office steps in to try and mediate a way for the Islanders, you know, for, for the building to be open for the Islanders, for the state to take some kind of fiduciary control for one season? Well, it's interesting. Um, you know, they. Uh, I can actually read you the, the exact comment that uh, Cuomo's office gave me today. Um, and, and as I look it up on my um, uh, on my my phone, I can tell you that uh, he has a definite interest in it because all of this is tied to Belmont, and Belmont is uh, a major major project for Cuomo, and, and Cuomo does not want any part of it to be uh, seen as a failure. So, you know, for you know, and it's not the first time, it wouldn't be the first time that Cuomo got involved. I mean, he was, uh, I'm told, the reason why the deal between uh, the Islanders and Barclays Center and BSE Global to work out this unusual three-year deal with the two option years, it was basically Cuomo saying, listen, let's get this done. I mean, that, that final couple of days when they got that done in January, I guess it was 2018, you know, Cuomo was a major player in that, and, and Cuomo obviously announced it, and, and he's been there every step of the way. So, um, I, you know, obviously I'm not ready to say that, um, you know, the state would op- operate uh, the Coliseum or anything like that. But, I mean, this is, this is the words of, of Cuomo's uh, spokesperson today. The Nassau Coliseum has been part of Long Island's DNA for decades. And thanks to Governor Cuomo's efforts, the Islanders are slated to have one final season at the barn. While we do not know how or when mass gatherings will be able to safely restart, we will work with all involved parties to ensure the Coliseum remains an important part of Long Island's culture and economy, including through continued support for Nassau County's hub project. In the meantime, the good news is that the Belmont Park Arena project remains on track. Now, obviously, he says a lot there and says a little at the same time, but what he does say is that he takes, once again, takes a pat on the back saying the Islanders uh, are slated to come back to the Coliseum. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't throw that out there. You can, you can read that to say he still sees that as a possibility. I mean, he's, he's owning that. He says the Coliseum has been part of the Long Island DNA for decades. And, and he also acknowledges we have no idea when this is going to restart. So, that, I mean, this is on his radar, 100%. He will get involved for the Islanders are homeless in some form uh, throughout all this, if that makes sense. And, and what is Prokhorov's responsibility right here? I mean, he's, you know, he's the leaseholder, right? Or, you know, however you, you say that legally, but the, the Islanders have a lease with his company to play at the Coliseum. Uh, and, and from my understanding, it's what, a 49-year, there's a 49-year term in there someplace for him to run this building. What is Prokhorov's responsibility if if the Islanders want to play there and the state wants the Islanders to play there and Prokhorov cannot, you know, and it doesn't sound likely he's going to be able to find investors to take a hundred million dollar debt off his hands. And that is the um, the impending story that that we'll be chasing is because you know it's it's all nice and well to uh, it, it's like the um, the real estate market crash from uh, I guess 12 years ago now where everybody was just like you know in under, over their head on their mortgages and, and left the key gave it to the bank and said okay I'm done with this and it's like well you can't just do that you know it, it, it obviously it, it, you know for a person it hurts your personal credit for all this you know, but for for a business you know you have to declare bankruptcy you have to go through proper channels you can't just say I'm done and there could be negotiating here. This could be a negotiating ploy. This could be, um, you know, I want to change my lease. You know, their, their terms of their lease, it's something like $4.4 million, uh per year to the county or, or some percentage of um, uh, t- ticket sales and revenue, essentially, that goes above $4.4 million that they've never come close to hitting. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a deal that's been proven to be successful for the county. Well, that's not the best type of deals are the ones that are proven successful for, for everybody, and that, that's not yet happening. Uh, so do they change it? Does that satisfy him? Or do they change it for some new investor who comes in? Uh, you know, th- these are questions that are going to be answered in, uh, in, in the coming weeks and months. And, and also, it's very easy for him to shutter uh, an arena that's already been shuttered and that's not going to be opening up anytime soon anyway. So right. I mean, it, it was a very convenient um, uh, thing to do today uh, because – we got, I mean, when's the next time there's going to be an event in that arena? Months? So, I mean, this month, if it's going to be months, that means you have time to, to figure out how this is going to work. 
What I did learn today, what the county admits, is that they have not paid rent or utilities since January. Uh, the only thing they've paid since January is the uh, entertainment tax that's attached to the tickets sold. Uh, so essentially, uh, they pay uh, you know, whatever their $4.4 million in rent, but they really only pay the difference between the, the entertainment tax, like, you know, it's like $3 for every ticket uh, sold or something like that. That money goes to the county, and then whatever the difference between that and the rent is, they pay the difference. Well, they haven't done that since January. They've been just paying the entertainment tax, and they've asked for, for their um, for a forbearance deal with the county, and the county said they're working with them on that. So there are open questions. They're not walking away yet. Uh, What's going to happen? That's that's really going to determine the future of this. And and it is possible that um, although their line in the sand is that they're not um, going to operate this any any further, it's sure it's possible because it's you know it's a negotiation. I mean, if, if we were to believe everything we're we're hearing, then you know we we would a couple of days ago we would say that a hundred percent chance that baseball is going to happen, and now we're thinking <laughs> it's, not not hundred percent. I mean, it's it's a negotiation as much as anything else. <laughs> now, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. One thing that does change is it, it was my understanding uh, Prokhorov's company had been paying employees at the Coliseum, even though it was not open, but now that that has ended. Is that correct? So I, I don't know from this day forward what happens, and that's that's an open question. They had been paying the full-time, according to their statement, um, and I, I can add a little to this, but according to their statement, they had been paying – uh, all of their full-time employees up until this point. Um, what happens now is this them essentially saying we're laying these people off and we're getting ahead of it. I, you know, I don't know. It certainly seems like this is not a good sign for for the uh, for the employees. Um, and, and in some respects, I, I guess they've been thankful to to get a paycheck throughout all this with with the arena being dark. The um, they have not. They have set up a. Um, and, and I will say that as I was working on this early in the uh, pandemic shutdown, I was in touch with some uh, workers there. And the full-time workers I spoke to, this is about March, April, uh, did say that they were still getting paid and they were thankful for that. You know, um, they set up a fund with a contribution from the Islanders for the hourly workers. And then there were some hourly workers that worked for subcontractors that weren't getting paid. They were, you know, basically stuck in a, in a middle zone because they worked, technically got their checks from the uh, restaurant con constant, uh, concessionaire. So there's a you know, gray zone. But what's going to happen with their employees going forward, that, that obviously is uh, something to look at, and it's, it's you know, obviously not a good sign for those Long Islanders who work there. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, we had, we had talked a long time ago when you were on the podcast, We you know, when, when life was still, you know, normal, um, We've been talking about the implications of, of trying to run Nassau Coliseum with all the competition in, in arenas, with, with Belmont Park being built, with the Barclays Center, with, with Prudential Center, with Madison Square Garden. You know, how could Nassau Coliseum survive with all that competition? And that was in, you know, under a best-case scenario. Do you think there's any part of this where Prokhorov maybe did some reassessment, COVID or, or non-COVID, and realize that, you know, this might be a tougher market than maybe he, him and his experts might have even thought. I go back to the sale of uh, Barclays Center and the Nets and that, you know, you know, it just logically um, made little sense for him to say, I'll sell the Nets, I'll sell Barclays Center, but, geez, I'm holding on to this Coliseum lease and I'm holding on to the Webster Hall. Uh, it just seemed logically that um, – he wanted to get out of it and, and cash in, and and Joseph Sai was able to uh, cherry pick what the most you know, the, the pieces he wanted and didn't get the pieces he, he didn't want, and 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 I think in the end, well, Prokhorov's like, okay, he gets uh, whatever billion it was, 3.5 or something like that for for um, for the Nets and um, and Barclays Center. Uh, and then at the end, he's like, well, we still have this company. I remember you know, they were trying to make it work. Um, They're part of this real estate hub development, a $1.5 billion uh, development there. Um, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it because they've been talking about development there for about 50 years. Uh, if you go back to like the Robert Moses days, they were talking about developing NASA hub. But that being said, the value in any kind of arena is the development around it. So whoever finally gets that done um, – 
will will reap the benefits of that. So so maybe there and and when I did talk to the Prokhorov Onexum executives about why they were still going forward with um, their involvement in the Coliseum, they all pointed to the NASA hub and how you can't judge the Coliseum on what it is now. You have to judge what it's going to look like in five years. Obviously, they had no idea um, what's happening with the pandemic. You know, I, I think that being said, it was a tough holding pattern. And if that, their argument at the time was, let's see what this place looks like and when everything's built. Well, now the timeline got pushed back and everything got much harder. Financing clearly had to get much harder uh, throughout all this. I think it, it, I think it was, it was going to be a tough road, but I think they saw a light at the end of the tunnel based on what, they, what I was hearing from them um, because of the hub development. And I think everything um, came to a, a crashing halt because of the pandemic shutdown. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, not just Nassau Coliseum and, and the hub, obviously. I mean, just the economy in general is just upside down right now. So it's so hard to make projections because there's no timeline for when uh, we're, you know, a vaccine, you know, hopefully is, is developed and, you know, businesses, you know, I know New York is starting to reopen, but you see around the rest of the country, you know, some of the effects of maybe reopening too quickly. So there, there's that fear of a second and maybe a third wave. So, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, it's all very scary. Do you have a sense of how hands-on Prokhorov is with all of this? You know, when he, when he owned the Brooklyn Nets, you, you might see him courtside a little bit, but he lives in Russia, right? He, he, is, he is not in this country. Yeah, no, but, um, I mean, the statement today, uh, you know, and, and whenever I would reach out to, um, you know, him as if, as if I'm like his buddy and reaching out to him, you know, whenever I reach out for a statement from, from his side or, or, you know, I needed to go up that level, I reached out to this, you know, Russian spokeswoman, who, you know, has an email address with a dot, whatever, that, you know, I've never used in any other uh, form. I actually should get it up it's, it's, to see what uh, a Russian email is. Um, uh, it, it's 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 fascinating to see. Um, so yeah, how, how involved? I mean, he's involved enough where that um, you know where he's he's making this call. I mean, I I, I do believe that. Um, and I will say that in the conversations I've had with um, Brett Yormark, he always references. Michael, it's not Mikhail. It's uh, I've never, you know, right, right. It's been like ten years. I still call him Mikhail Prokhorov. It's, it's Michael. Everybody calls him Michael. Uh, but I mean, he references how Michael really believed in in the value of this. I mean, there is something to be said for even for billionaires to have a well-rounded uh, investment circle and and some kind of real estate development in uh, on Long Island, um, surrounded by uh, an arena. You know, it probably has some kind of uh, you know sex appeal in that too. So. Uh, you know, but involved in, in the sense of, you know, his name wasn't on the hub development. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard to say. But to the point, uh, to answer your question, I mean, the big the big developments always came down from from his Russian, uh, you know, spokespeople. And I'll tell you right here, it's dot ru. I guess that means for Russia. We're we're talking about the Islanders, obviously, because this is an Islander centric uh, podcast. Uh, there are other teams that play at the Coliseum. Uh, lacrosse, the New York Riptide, and uh, in basketball uh, development league, uh, the Long Island Nets, and those teams are going to need to uh, find some homes as well. And in your dealings uh, with with Joseph Tsai, um, how flexible can he be? You know, I, I'm not saying he's going out of his way looking to help help other teams out, but do you feel like? You know, if if the Coliseum is really a no go, that that, that Mr. Sai is is a possibility for you know helping helping some teams out here. You know, clearly the Long Island Nets. Uh, I mean, he owns them. I mean, he's uh, they're part of the, that whole family. Um, so that, I mean, it just seems like a likely uh, landing spot. I mean, also, you know. Uh, Long Island Nets. While I mean, I've been, I've been to I think one game. Uh, maybe it's a family. It's a it's a Long Island Ducks of uh, basketball. It's a family fun uh, experience. Yeah. I mean, they can also house that at uh, at Hofstra or something like that, and 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 get by. It doesn't need to take up a night at Barclays. Um, but it, you know, I I think with the with the Joseph Sai, um well, to answer my dealings with him, I've I've never once spoken to him. Um, he he is a, clearly a, 
a private person in the sense that he has not wanted to. I mean, he has got his Twitter feed and everything like that, but he's given limited number of uh, interviews. Um, he, he clearly likes the uh, um, synergy of Barclays Center, the Liberty, and the Nets, um, and, and in Brooklyn, and all that. To the degree that he would be, uh, you know, willing to, you know, lend a hand to the Riptide, or you know, it, it's 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 so hard to say because, again we go back to this scenario of, well, what's, what's the arena world going to be like yeah. in that sense? And also, you know, the Riptide is another scenario where it's indoor lacrosse. Uh, it plays really well on Long Island. And I'm sure whenever we get back to whatever our new normal is, I'm sure that, I mean, I remember going to New York Saint games growing up. I, I, I never picked up a lacrosse stick in my life. I was not a lacrosse player, but I, you know, I knew the Saints. You know, it, you know, it's it, it's got a home on Long Island. Indoor lacrosse is a home, um, but I don't know if that plays at all in Brooklyn at all. So I mean, that's it's it's just hard to envision, especially because these are all short-term issues. Um, uh, if the, I mean, the, the riptide, I, I think I'm not breaking any ground. Will not live in uh, in Brooklyn long term. It just won't it won't work. But is there, you know, is there an arena that will exist on Long Island? It, obviously, without the Coliseum, it, it, there is none. So it's um, now. That being said, I did want to mention this. Um, Scott Reckler, the Long Island developer, Elmer fans will know him well from being Charles Wong's partner on the Lighthouse Project. Uh, very well known um, and very established and successful. Uh, a real estate developer on Long Island, you know, one of the premier go-to guys, and it also shows you the circle of the Coliseum developments that he was on the lighthouse, and then you know, round and around the, the merry-go-round goes, and he comes back again now on the um, on this current Nassau Hub development. Well, anyway, I bring him up because today, you know, we obviously reach out to him and say, you know, what gives? What's your reaction to the whole, uh, you know, Procrosta decision? And he not only says, you know, that he's obviously all forces ahead on the Nassau Hub development, but he's also all forces ahead on the Coliseum existing and as part of it. Now, that, oh. that I think is important because now this is a guy who, you know, could have taken advantage of this opportunity and could have said, yeah, I think it's time to bulldoze this, re-envision this whole, you know, tra- tract of land, whatever, you know, dozens of acres and, and really, really develop. No, he wants this to be, he wants that to be uh, one of the focal points of it. Now, maybe the new operator is little, um, New age and how they look at the entertainment. Maybe it becomes more esports. Maybe you know, who knows? But he he came out today and and on the record says that this is still a major part of this this plan. And he does have the connections to maybe not find a major player in the in the sports and entertainment world, but but to find a player who can who can uh, you know make this work and and maybe have a bigger piece of the uh, the real the, the retail there. Yeah, no, I do think that is significant. And, uh, you know, I want to wrap this up. We have some questions on uh, on Twitter that I, I'd like us to go over. But before getting to that, I, I want to end this segment um, by talking a little bit about where the Islanders are headed, and, and that would be to the new arena at Belmont. Now, construction has restarted after a two-month uh, halt because of COVID-19. I was out at a uh, Belmont Park, uh, the Wednesday, they they started live racing again. Um, and I was impressed with how, you know, how the arena is looking. It, it has a shape, you know, um, you can see the deck. So they haven't started working on the outside, but, uh, you know, it, it, they, they've completed the circle and, and you know, the, the girders are certainly all in place. And I, I heard today from uh, – Clark Gillies, who's got a buddy who's working on the site that, you know, they're starting the slabs for the seats now. And, uh, you know, the word on the construction site was they were way ahead of schedule through this, uh, through this very mild winter. And uh, everyone on the construction site is, you know, thinking it will be get done in October 21. I've reached out, you know, to the state and, and to the Islanders for, for, progress construction updates and uh they're being silent since construction restarted i was wondering if you've heard anything and, and what's your sense on how things are going out at belmont since construction restarted so um i'll start by saying that um the, the obviously the most positive thing that any islander fan can hang their hat on is that you know every time every day that goes by with construction happening um you know, I mean, it is obviously a good a good sign that that means something's happening there. Um, 
that being said, I do take everything I hear about um, how fast it's going, how ahead of schedule they are. I mean, I hear that too. I do take it a bit of a grain of salt uh, because, you know, uh, the first time, and the next time I hear someone ever say about a construction project that it's behind schedule, it will, will be the first time. It, you know, <laughs> they're just they're not going to tell you that until they pass the deadline. <laughs> Uh, that being said, um, and, and I will say that their window for doing this construction was as tight as it could have been to get it done. Uh, now, that being said, it still could be done. There are things in their favor, too. Like you said, with the, with the season you know, being pushed back, it's not going to be – who knows how long it is until they get back onto a normal season schedule. Maybe it's not 2021. Uh, someone once told me this, is that uh, construction costs a lot of money, clearly. I mean, this is a uh, you know a one billion dollar construction. The arena is something in the uh, eight hundred million or something. It is you know, um, or, no, I think it's nine fifty five, nine fifty five million for for this arena. I think it's a one point three billion dollar project at this point. Well, every day that passes it is a lot of money, a lot of interest, a, a lot of all that on this. So you better believe they're working at the first hour they're allowed to until the last hour they go to, uh, with as many people as they they are allowed to. So. And you see the like you said, you you see it every day. And and you know, you know joke all you want about the Will Ponds, but but City Field uh, came out looking pretty pretty darn nice. Um, and and if you can kind of see a little bit of City Field when you see the renderings of this place too. Um, yeah. With, with that brick exterior too. So yeah. I, I'm sure it's going to be uh, a very very nice looking place. And, and I. I I have not even heard the beginning of a rumblings that they're behind schedule, and I think that's probably the most um, uh, most monumental thing going so far. Well, I, I appreciate that, and with that, um, like I said, I want to move on. There are some Twitter Twitter questions uh, specifically about the news today at the Coliseum, uh, what might happen there, and uh, Jim and I are going to take you through that next segment of Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. There's a lot of frustration from Islander fans regarding today's news. And then there's some others who uh, are are a little bit more tempered. And and as Jim mentioned, this just could be a negotiation. And maybe all this, you know, the Islanders will never play a game at the Coliseum again might be uh, overreaction. Um, First off, from Michael Minucci says, are you, aware, are you aware of any bad blood or a disparaged relationship between the Barclays Center stakeholders and the Islanders' ownership group that would hinder a potential return to Brooklyn that now sounds like a real possibility for the 2021 season? Uh, any bad blood to, to speak of there, Jim? No. I mean, I think to, the thing to remember is that um, the lightning rods in this situation were uh, Charles Wong and, and Brett Yormark. And, um and they're they're obviously not around anymore. Um, you know, they, they I, I everything I would lead to believe is that they had a, a good relationship. Even your mark toward the end with uh, with Ledecky and company. I was once on a conference call with uh, Ledecky, your mark, uh, and some others. And you know, they, basically the purpose of the phone call was to tell me how much they uh, they loved each other. Now, um, and and that being said, there's there's no black blood. If anything, the only wild card is what relationship at all exists behind besides that contract because the Joseph Sai uh, ownership took place, you know, obviously they played, um, you know, games this year and, and it was business-like, but it, it just seemed like it was more of that business relationship. So yeah, to lo- answer the question, I know of no bad blood. I think everybody was happy that th- they thought this relationship was over with because it clearly didn't work. Now that might not be the case, but I don't think there's any bad blood that's going to lead that to be like, you know, we're not going to do this. You know, it, it would be more of a business decision at this point on, on, on all sides. The, the next two are, are not necessarily question. There's statements coming from Pot Fans Cups, who says, what is the question? One, mere, one more year in Brooklyn, big deal. The overreaction to this is incredible. He follows by saying the Islanders do not own the Coliseum, and this is probably news to them just as it is to the rest of us. Give them time to get the details, et cetera, before you throw the team under the bus. I trust owners uh, Scott Malkin and John Ledecky. And I guess uh, the question I would ask out of this is how, how blindsided do you think the Islanders were today when they found out the news? I got the impression 
from everyone I spoke to, both on and off the record, that everyone um, wasn't so much surprised that it got to this point, but just was surprised it happened. Um, you know, it's one of these news that when it hits you, you're like, oh, my goodness. But then you look at what's happening, and you're like, oh, well, it does make sense. Um, it's sad, but it makes sense. So, I, I, um, But that being said, the answer to the question is um, I, I think everyone I spoke to today um, and that that goes up and down the chain uh, pretty much learned about this uh, within the last 24 hours. You know, a couple of these next questions I think are, is stuff uh, we went over in the first segment. If you have anything to add, please feel free. But uh, let's see, uh, IELTS fan 523 says, where will the Islanders play home games next season? Uh, I think we answered that as, you know, Coliseum, Barclays, I will say that one point that the person who said before, I, I was stunned at the reaction on Twitter today. I mean, it was obviously so much I couldn't keep up with it. But, um, mm. you know, there was obviously no one wants to you, – you feel like you're going back in time uh, yeah. going back to the Barclays Center if that's the case. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's not like they don't have this arena looming, uh, you know, and, and building day by day. So, uh, you know, obviously it would not be the situation anyone called for. Um, um, but I, I was a little taken aback by this as if it was like the end of the world type uh, a decision where, you know, it, it would stink, obviously, um, for yeah. everybody uh, on, on all sides. But I, I think it's, you know, there are worse scenarios than, than if they have to play at Barclays for, for another season. Yeah, no, I, I, the, the sense I got is from the Islander fan, and it's not just on this, it, it's everything. It's, you know, John Tavares signing with the Maple Leafs or, you know, any bad thing that happens to the franchise is why does this always happen to us? And, and you know, it, I, I think the majority of Islander fans here feel pretty teased. You know, they, they they saw their team leave the Coliseum where a majority, I don't want to say all fans, because I, I do know a lot of fans and I hear from them who, who prefer Barclays for travel, for for not standing in line for bathrooms, for, for better amenities. There are people who prefer going to Barclays, but I, I would say the majority prefer the atmosphere at the Coliseum. Um, and they were teased because here's a team that moved to Brooklyn and then surprise, they're back at the Coliseum surprise. They're going to get a full year at the Coliseum and no, they're not. So I, I think there's just a overwhelming sense of woe is me. And, and why does this keep happening to us? Yeah. And I, I agree that um, if you were to judge it based on the, uh, the Twitter reaction, you would think it's like 99.9% uh, hate Barclays and, and the point one like it. I do think there's a, a greater percentage of people. It's such an unpopular opinion that it's just not even worth expressing. Uh, but uh, I do think that there's some people, like you said, and I, I've heard that before too, is that, you know, if, if you worked in the city, it, it was easy to get to on your way home. Uh, also, I mean, the concourses are, are really, really, I mean, they're modern. And, and, and yeah. the Coliseum is not. The Coliseum, you know, uh, the Coliseum is, is still very cramped. And even with that interior walkway thing, uh, which is nice, but I mean, Half the people are looking at the ice when you're walking through, and it's uh, you're bumping into people. And half the people are looking at the phone. It's like you're dodging people left and right. So it's uh, yeah. you know it's not it's not an ideal situation. But and and, and compared to the Coliseum, uh, being in Barclays Center, I really get the sense that there is one urinal or one bathroom stall for every man and for every female in the building. The, the, the bathrooms are huge in that building. You know, <laughs> and, and, and I will speaking as uh, as a father with uh, two kids. I brought them to an Islander game at Barclays Center a couple of years back, and I brought them to uh, an Islander game this year at the Coliseum. The Coliseum, we had to strategize that bathroom scenario. Uh, yeah. at Barclays Center. There's family bathrooms left and right. It, it was a, it was a cake. It was easy. So um, you know that that's. Uh, that, I think I brought my uh, my young daughters into the the men's rooms because they I mean they're, they're young they're uh, five and you know seven but like it, it, it's it, they would have to wait wait on this long long line that was just not gonna not gonna work so yeah I mean it should be pointed out that you know taking the fans out of this you know obviously the Islanders had no comment as an organization they certainly weren't going to put a player on the phone you know to, to gauge his reaction to this but to a man. I would say every Islander 
is just crushed by the news, but that they would not be playing at the Coliseum next season. And they're going to have to do that commute to Barclays Center. You know, when, when I spoke to Clark Gillies today, he can he said to me, you know, I, I can tell you every player hates this. They were they were very stoked to play at the Coliseum. And, you know, the Barclays Center, is, as we've discussed, is just a really different routine for the players. They, you know, it cuts into their afternoon naps, uh, their commuting. It, it, it just throws them off their routine. And, you know, every professional athlete is all about the routine. So, you know, uh, the, the players are with most of the fans here in that this is incredibly unwelcome news. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Name wants to know what the fans can do uh, to push Governor Cuomo into some kind of action here. And, uh, you know, we, we discussed Governor Cuomo. Do you, I, I'm sure, as you mentioned, this is something that's, you know, very close to him, so he'll likely take action. But, you know, do you think he could be pushed further by, by fan reaction here? You know, that's, that's, uh, that's a good question. I, I, think, I think it's too early uh, at this stage. I think you need to see um, how this plays out with what's going to happen with uh, – if anything, I think it's not so much Cuomo at this point. I mean, it is owned by the county. I mean, this is a county-owned uh, arena, uh, and they're on the hook for this. So if, if there's anyone to push, it's Laura Curran uh, to start with. Uh, it would not be Cuomo's place to come in until, you know, everything failed and, you know, basically the hounds are homeless at that point and something's not happening at Barclays Center. Cuomo was going to come in to avoid disaster. He's not going to come in now to, to, to solve a situation that's basically just brewing still at this point. I, I think if you want to push anybody, it, it's, it's more current because it's, uh, this is something that every Nassau County executive voted in uh, inherits. And, and everyone only says we're going to solve this uh, coliseum, we're going to solve the hub uh, situation. And then she herself said today, I'm going to double down, whatever that means, double down on the natural hub to make this work. Um, so it, it, this is on her watch. So it's, uh, she knows the pressure's on her, um, but that's the person to, uh, to reach out to at this point. Uh, this is the Belmont Stakes Week, uh, talking about Belmont. Uh, I'm going to give you an odds question. And, and again, this is something we we we've discussed in the in the opening segment but Richie wants to know what are the odds the Islanders next home game with fans is at Belmont I I think that is um you know I I'm not good on what all the odds mean and stuff like that but I would tell you I'm sorry I'm not going to give you a number but I would say that is very much um uh, not very much that, that is in the uh, realm of possibilities, just as much as the Coliseum and just as much as Barclays, I, I think those, I think there's four options right now that are, are realistic in terms of maybe happening. Uh, it's probably fourth, let's put it that way. I think the most likely scenario is still the Coliseum um, because uh, everybody can't see this fail uh, at this point. Um, and it's still – and there's still – many reasons to make it work. Um, so I think Coliseum is probably the first option. Barclays is probably the second option. The third option is probably fan, a fanless, an area, a fanless arena in uh, insert city name here. And then the, the fourth option is probably that scenario where, um, you know, oh, I guess no, that, that I'm, I'm messing up the answer by throwing that fanless thing in there. I, I, guess, I guess that would be the third option then, is that uh, Belmont, you know, because where else would it be? I mean, I, I, I cross off, if there's me fans, they're not playing yeah. in any other arena in the metropolitan area, even, even the Prudential Center. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, I, I've gotten a few of these questions in, in text, but um, $40 Coliseum Parking wants to know, can I cancel my season tickets for next year? and get back my payments made so far. Now, the Islanders were taking payments on next season's home games with, with the, the pitch being there were going to be 41 games at Nassau Coliseum, and people bought under that uh, assumption. Um, I am assuming uh, you know, the Islanders obviously didn't comment today. I would assume that the Islanders are still trying to strategizing a, a plan for what they're going to tell their season ticket holders who bought thinking the games were going to be at Nassau Coliseum. Yeah, that, that, that is definitely uh, a, a great question and a very pertinent question. And it did, uh, I did think of that today. Um, obviously, the Allen's were talking. I, I'd ask that. Um, the 
what I would suggest to uh, you know the the uh, parking. Uh, I thought the question was about parking, which would also is a good question. But if the, you know what I would suggest to this parking Twitter handle person is to to reach out to the owners. And one thing I've I've seen uh, firsthand is under this ownership, they've been very good about communicating, especially to their season ticket holders. They they treat their season ticket holders very well. Uh, they had that party, that groundbreaking party at Belmont. They've had several meet and greets at, at various you know restaurants. Ladecki's there. Sparky's always unpresent. Uh, I, I would be stunned. I, I, number one, I, I'm sure they do not have the answer today. But number two, um, I, I would think far less of them if I heard that they were uh, stringing them along for answers if you wanted your money back. So that's, yeah. uh, that's a question for them right now. Uh, Johnny Pajamas uh, wants to know, um, can the Islanders lease the building, meaning Nassau Coliseum, for 41 games and run the building themselves for one season? I like how you have to read these names with a straight face. I know I know what that mean, references, but I still laugh when I hear that. You know, and, and that and I'll tell you what, I was at that game, I guess it was two years ago now? When was Tavares' yeah. game? Everything goes back, you know, runs into years for me. But I remember that game back, and I remember I, I was, I'll, I'll say this, I did not think the fans behaved uh, nicely that night. I mean, there, there's a way to... Um, troll and, and heckle a player, and I think they could have trolled and heckled Tavares by showing up all in pajamas rather than cursing and all the stuff <laughs> they, they did. But that being said, um, you know that was not what I asked. You know that that scenario that he, um, I presume it's that he that he references, uh, is an interesting one because um, you know they're obviously in the arena business. Uh, you know, I, I think. While it makes some sense uh, in this uh, idealistic world, I, I think the logistics of something like that are just so far-fetched, um, especially because um, there's contracts in play. And, and they, I mean, even though it makes sense for them for for a year, um, you know, to ramp it up for them to go to Belmont, it, it just I, I don't see how that works um, contractually. Um, especially while there's going to be a development there that in some way might uh, compete against Belmont. Um, it, it's just, it's really, you know, maybe I'm dismissing it too, too easily, but uh, you know, that was, that was uh, mentioned to me earlier today and it, it's, it's intriguing. It's interesting. Um, but I think it's just too far fetched. It's the $40 Coliseum parking. Also wanted to know if the Islanders could play games at the garden like the Clippers-Lakers arrangement in uh, in Los Angeles, uh, I think we discussed that. You've given your uh, your 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 list of the likelier options where the the Islanders will wind up playing. Melissa, one thing I'll mention about, about the Garden is that yeah. I mean, the Garden nights are just so hard to come by, and they're so valuable that um, it, it's uh, if if. You know, there's a reason why they do a St. John's game at noon and then a you know Rangers game. You know, they, there's they just want as many things as possible because it's just such a valuable real estate that um, I think it would just be hard to get that in there. Um, if if it ever pushed came to shove and that ever was a scenario, I just think it's it's really hard. Melissa just asked simply, "How do you guys feel about this?" And she signs it from a depressed Islanders fan, and. Uh, you know, my my personal feeling here is it's uh, like I said, it, it's a, it's another blow, you know, to to a franchise that has absorbed a lot of body blows and also, you know, a lot of self inflicted blows, uh, you know, since the uh, since their heyday. And uh, but I, I I sort of think that you know, as as Lou Lamarillo says, you know, when you have the option of time, you use it. And, you know, this is not something that needs to be settled tomorrow because, you know, in a best case scenario, the Islanders are probably, it's probably going to be January, late December or January before the Islanders are playing in an arena before fans in the New York area. And that's under, you know, if everything goes 100% well, it could be well, well much you know, later in time than January. So I, I don't think this is something that, you know, needs to be settled today or needs to be necessarily, you know, so much consternation over today because, 
it, it, it's a it's a problem that has plenty of time to be worked out. I, I don't know how you feel about it, Jim. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with that take on it. Um, I, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but I, I I laughed about it with a couple people today that you know the, the place is already shuttered, the place the doors are already closed, the lights are already off, and um, so it's 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 convenient to uh, to come out with some kind of take like that today. I mean, it, it means that the um, there's time to figure out uh, what the next step is before they are in position to host anything again um, besides a drive-in movie, uh, you know, in their parking lot. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's the um, most rational way to look at this right now is that this is a, a rough day for, for people who are looking forward to a year at the Islanders at the Coliseum, but it, it, it's not completely eliminated yet. Um, I just want to mention AK because uh, I, I should have thrown him in with, with the previous question about the uh, season ticket holders, but he, he just makes the statement that the Islanders need to clear this up now for season ticket holders. They want us to pay for next season when now it's unclear if they will play at the Coliseum. Again, I should have mentioned that earlier when we discussed about that, but I just wanted AK's feelings out there, um, you know, counted. Um, no sleep till Elmont. Uh, wonders can Nassau County condemn Prokhorov's lease and find their own operator for the Coliseum? Yeah, I mean they've uh, they they certainly don't want to be in that business. Uh, they've been close to the operations before, and it didn't work out. And they um, you know that's what got into the, got them into problems uh, previously. They liked the, the setup of this uh, this lease where they got a flat rate or shared in the profits. Um, but obviously, you know, it's new times, and that, that's a scenario I raised earlier today when I was talking to someone in the know, is that, uh, you know, could that be a scenario? You know, all these things, um, all these scenarios, you know, just like we're talking about it, they must be talking about it too. I mean, this is, uh, you know, in, in the perfect world, someone takes the debt and, and takes it and, and runs with it. Um, but it's not a perfect world. Uh, but we, the, the county needs to let that one uh, play its course before they do anything drastic. And I'll finish on this one. And again, we, we've discussed this. And uh, if you have any final thoughts, um, old school Mountie says Barclays doesn't want the Islanders back. Fact. Any more than the Islanders want to return to Brooklyn. Fact. Um, would you agree this is more a negotiation leverage situation than it is an open and shut case? And uh, I'm starting to think, yes. Uh, how about you? Uh, not so much with the Islanders and, and Barclays. No, no, no. On the other end. Yeah. I, no. I, I, you know, what I, I heard two different ways on that today. I, I, I heard, and from people I trust on, on both sides, which tells you that you know everybody's learning it for, for the first time and trying to read it uh, as well. You know, I, I heard that that given the timing of it, uh, given um, yeah, it just, just it, it, it makes sense that this would be a negotiation. You know, um, but on, on on the flip side. Um, you know, maybe they're maybe they just want out. So yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, it's 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 hard. I I don't have a read on that. Um, I do believe that they believe that this current setup is not working for them, uh, as, and it was exposed greatly by the pandemic. So they're using this as an opportunity to get out under these terms, or potentially maybe change these terms, which would then be a negotiation. But in either way. If those either situations work out, the Coliseum still exists. We just won't know if it's uh, if, if this was the last day of the Coliseum or, or the, the first day of the last days, or if this was just the, the first day towards whoever takes over the Coliseum next. And, the, and it's obviously incredibly complicated by current events, and that's, there's no way to understate that. Well, I think that is the perfect place to end. And uh, I want to thank uh, my, my colleague and my guest, uh, Jim Bombach. Please follow him on Twitter at Jim Bombach. That's B-A-U-M-B-A-C-H. He does an amazing job understanding the complexities of this issue and uh, sports business in general. Jim, listen, thank you so much for, for joining me on episode 35. And again, all the best to you and your family, and uh, I'm hoping we can get together and see each other in person at a arena near us at some point in the near future. 
Maybe it will be when we're operating the Coliseum, if they lower that you know, $100 million debt to like $100, I think we can go in half on that and uh, operate it for a season and have fun, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that is it for Episode 35 of Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Gross, on Twitter at a gross newsday and uh, you can find this episode or any back episode of island ice all 35 of them on our website newsday.com backslash sports you can also find island ice wherever fine podcasts are found apple spotify google soundcloud Please rate, please subscribe, please leave a comment. Let us know how we're doing. And most of all, everyone, please be healthy and safe. And hopefully we will all get back to hockey sometime in the near future. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Take care.